This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal, but I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy Special Edition podcast, Guardians of the Galaxy. Welcome to an iFanboy special edition podcast on Guardians of the Galaxy. A little flick, maybe. No, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Paul Montgomery. Hey, everybody. Special guest, Ryan Haupt. Hi. And that lousy bum, Ron Richards. 
I couldn't stay away. Oh, Prodigal Son so returns. Can I come on? Yes, you can, you can come on. That's fine. <laughs> Connor's not around to say no. Connor, Connor's, Connor's on vacation. Uh, so. Connor's not going to be pleased, but hey, I couldn't, I couldn't resist. It's, it, I mean, you know, uh, cosmic Marvel guy. I don't. Yeah, that's. I realized. I realized last night coming out of the movie, I was like, oh shit, I was the cosmic guy. Well, we'll <laughs> get to we'll we'll get to some of that, I guess. Uh, so uh, we're here to talk about the movie which was released this weekend, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it's the one that when they announced it at first, everyone was like, really? Well, is that that plus the director James Gunn? Yeah. Who was- Indie director, it was unspoken, you know, like it was. You canceled the book, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't sustain 30,000 sales. So, uh, but, but here we are. And then they went and they, they did, they, they cast Chris Pratt as the action hero role, uh, who most people only knew as Andy from Parks and Recreation. So, uh, it was, uh, it was an interesting mix. Uh, I mean, what did you, did you have, uh, impressions going into it? I guess before it started, Paul, you, you, you've sort of been on this from the beginning. Uh, except for the one guy. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I love Marvel Cosmic. Um, and first off, thrilled to see Cosmo, the, uh, the cosmonaut. Why, don't, why would you do that now, Paul? Wait! <laughs> do you want to backtrack and not do that? <laughs> no, just let's, let's get, get on with it. We're gonna, I'm going to act like you didn't say that. I'm gonna bring exactly, up come on! I'm assuming everyone has seen the movie at this point, oh, but cool. anyways, I, lo- so, I love Marvel wait, Cosmic. Wait, spoilers. It's like you guys never done a podcast before, so a spoiler warning, we're going to talk about what happens in the events in the movie, so if you haven't seen the movie yet, press pause, come back later, you can hear yes. the movie, or if you don't care, just keep on listening, or if you've seen the movie, keep on listening and enjoy the merriment of spoiling things way before we even talk about if we like the movie or not that Paul. Was, that was letter perfect this is like the is the audio version of ron pulling out duct tape to hold this thing together <laughs> ron why don't you take the question you answer it yeah. So going into the movie, did you have any? I, for me, I was on a media blackout. I I knew the cast. I didn't. I tried to. Avo- I watched one trailer. I tried to avoid everything else. I have no ill will against any that's, of the actors or voice actors. That's SOP yeah. now, though, for these movies, isn't it? For you, that, it is for SOP? me. Standard operating procedure. You yes. you just like I, I don't want to know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I was sitting in all of the Marvel panels at San Diego leading up to this, so I it was unavoidable for me to see a ton of. Guardians promotion that was mm-hmm. happening. I was live blogging the panels. I wasn't just being a fanboy. Well, look, look, who, look who's bragging about his job at San Diego. <laughs> no, but I mean, it was just, you know, every panel and, and you know, to their credit, because they're trying to promote this movie. It was about, you know, had something about the Guardians. And so my media blackout was impossible. And even still, I went in and I went into the theater with pretty high expectations, I would say. Yeah, there was nobody who didn't like this movie ahead of time that I saw. So it was just everybody loved it. So that's what it had to live up to, I think, going in. Yeah, due, due, to, the, due to the nature of who we are and all this stuff, we talked to a lot of people who had seen it. You know, at very, I, you know, for the past six months, I talked to people, various people at Marvel at various stages of development. And every response was, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's really good. I think you're going to like it. Uh, up until the premiere um, and it, and all everything coming out of it was just like, it's a lot of fun. You're going to laugh. It's going to be great. So I went into it. Being a Guardians of the Galaxy fan, being a big fan of the books, being a big fan of the, you know, the old Jim Valentino Guardians of the Galaxy stuff from the late 80s, early 90s, up mm. to the Abnett and Lanning stuff more recently that Paul might probably got involved with because yeah, yeah. he, he's younger, than, he's significantly younger than us. Um, <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, being, a, being, I'll take a that fan, being a big fan of all that, I was hopeful but it was also I also went in with that. Is everyone else going to get this? Wait, 
it was interesting is that uh, and I think I've been thinking about this a lot like we were we were very bullish on the Abnett landing series which by the way this is this is based on primarily yes. in terms of characterization yeah. and like stuff like large, that like largely like yeah, I, well there's you see the credit yeah, I saw the. Yeah, yeah. the credit's going to be there. I mean, we based was, on the on the I was based on the comics by Dan Abnett and Andy Landing. I was like, right, but you that but, missed a little. But you've in the TV show Agents of Shield, they say based on the comic by Jim Steranko. Yeah, I, really. So giving that credit, yeah, watch the credits. It's your I job. Watch, watch the show. No, it's not. I'm the only one here who doesn't work in comics. This movie but, has uh, fun credits. It also has uh, no uh, raccoons or tree people were harmed in the making of this film. Yes, I did see that. Yeah. Funny. But um, no, but the so I, I without spoiling specific things, so we'll get that in a second. As a reader who read the entire from when they brought back Marvel Cosmic with Annihilation to when they canceled Guardians of the Galaxy before Bendis took it over, as someone who read that monthly, everything that came out for it, I was shocked at how I mean, th- this was like a good 70 percent lifted from yes. the comics. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, there was a couple of different deviations and a couple of different characterizations that they drifted on. And which at first I was like, oh, fuck that. No way. That's not cool. <laughs> and as the movie went on, I was like, oh, actually, that's actually really good. I see why they did that. And then it made sense. And I was totally on board. So, I, so there, that's- there's certain there's certain things that I didn't spoil about this movie on this podcast, but they were actually spoiled for everybody like Thanos being in it. And oh, yeah. the one for me that I kind of that I, I I was I was so I was glad that Cosmo was unspoiled for me and I, and that was a nice surprise. Again, <laughs> it's a spoil. We said we did the spoiler warning, but then like, the, you're just like racing. Like I want to be the one to talk about Cosmo to show my cred. Should have should have talked. But that, no, but then the, the but end. then the other yes. one was seeing like I can't believe there's a live action movie that has nowhere in it. Yes, you know, there's about I, a giant I, I, celestial head. Well, that's, I, I mean, it's funny because I couldn't believe that they said the word celestial, but yeah. then I always go back to what Josh says to me, which is it's 2014. After 15 years of these movies, we have to believe it. Yeah. Well, we still keep doing it. I keep seeing I it today. It. I can't believe it. I can't believe people are talking about the Infinity Gauntlet. Really? Are you kidding me? It's been 15 years. <laughs> like there's been several Avengers movies. I think but we're yeah. used to it. Yeah, at this point, you can't say I can't believe dot, yeah. dot, dot. But that said, I can't believe they said the word celestial head. Well, yeah, it's at least it. surreal. To, to, you know, I to, like that they the put word the word up on screen. Yep, it they doesn't spelled work. it out so you get the pun. Yep, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that was nice. That was a nice translation. Well, they didn't say uh, nowhere or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> although some one of, one of the characters could have gotten away with that. Uh, so I guess let's get into. I, I know how this is going to go. Uh, how did how did we feel about it? And this time, Paul, you you have you have carte blanche. Go. It was no real, real good. It, right? Um, I like the part with the dog. Um, no, I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. Which, which dog is that, Paul? No, there was a Cosmo, the cosmonaut space dog. Um, so, uh, even though it doesn't seem like he's a supreme intelligence, or he's not really a supreme intelligence, but he's yeah, you know, licking somebody's face. So, Kree, right, right. So, anyways, um, no, I really, really liked it. I was smiling like an idiot through the whole thing. Um, I, if, if I have, if I have any concerns about it, it's, it's that question that, well, the, let's, the, let's not let's not do the nitpicks yet. Let's let's well, talk it's not, a, it's not a nitpick. First. I think, but I think I think in the beginning, it's 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 very front loaded with a lot of information. And well, yeah. Well, that, well, that that kind of goes back to my is everyone else going to get it? Exactly. Because what, what I thought was interesting is that they explained a lot because basically you have to introduce everyone to the world of Marvel Cosmic. You don't know who the Zandarians are. You don't know who Kree are. You don't know who all these things are. And you can't just, you know, like it's a tough balance to just say, oh, they'll get it as they go versus they need to explain it. But I do think it was interesting that they just didn't explain a lot of things like in the very beginning they show young Peter Quill, young Star-Lord get, you know, get abducted by aliens. And then it fast forward to the present and they never explain who got them or why that happened later in the movie. 
Yeah. Yeah. But well, so I felt, I felt as if they, they, the stuff they explained up front was kind of like a roadmap yeah. with very, with kind of like when you zoom out of Google Maps and as you zoom in, you get more detail. So, yeah, well, this ties into, I, I guess, my, uh, this is my thesis about the movie. Um, and I'll just say, you know, I liked it a lot. I think it was, I didn't think it was the greatest thing I've ever seen, but it was super entertaining. I'm like, they're going to make a ton of money. But my thesis about this movie is that it very much through the whole thing reminded me, of a Star Wars type movie. Yes. And what I mean by that is if you read the kinds of things that George Lucas wanted to do in the mid-70s when he was making the Star Wars, he wanted to make an audience for like a sci-fi adventure movie with compelling characters for boys, you know, age 12 to 15, which they weren't making a lot of movies for back then, as opposed to now where they're all made for them. Um, but... And then, and then he's like, he also made a point of, he said, I want to, I want to throw them in with all these interesting characters and interesting worlds, chock full of other aliens. And I don't want to explain anything as I go. I just want you to have to pick it up and understand it. And so the whole time I kept seeing these, these, these earmarks of what Star Wars, postmodern Star Wars, because the pop culture references definitely sucked yeah. away from that sort of thing. But it had a lot to do with that. There were even shots that I was like, that's an Empire shot. There was one where he was coming up through a, a, like a tube and there was light. And I was like, that's Lando coming up uh, from, the, from the Millennium Falcon. There was, there was a couple others. You know, like all, there was a lot of Star Wars in this in a really good way, not in a hacky way. And I think also, also it took the – it was a very bright movie. There was lots of colors. Color was a big element. The big uh, climax of the ba the battle at the end of the movie took place in broad daylight. Right. Like I was talking to a coworker of mine. It didn't happen in space. It didn't happen at night. It didn't happen in the rain, like Pacific Rim. You know, like it all all this like all these kind of cheats that movie makers are doing now to cover up the special effects and to make you know like all that sort of thing. Like it was just in broad daylight and it looked awesome. Even like, yeah. even and, the outer space yeah. battles. That's in a, it's in a colorful nebula. Yeah, you know, right outside nowhere. It's there's yeah. all these greens and yeah, it's 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 a it, really it's pretty funny, movie. Because I was thinking the whole time I was like, this looks a lot like like a really pretty version of the prequels. Yeah, I mean that, and and I mean that in a good way because there are good things about the prequels. Like I feel like they took a lot of the technology that had been yeah. developed for that and used it in a good way. And I, it's the first time I've looked, I've watched a movie where I thought that. Like I was yeah. like, oh, these are you know, like, and I hate to continue that Star Wars thing, but like, I was like, this would, my, what it might have been like, look like if, if the guy who did the prequels is the same guy who actually did the movies at the beginning, yeah. you know, pre pre neck, pluck George Lucas from 1975, yeah. bring him to 2012, and have him develop this movie, and yeah. yeah, like there was a lot of a lot of things like that, and I and I I hate to keep going back to it, but and I won't keep doing it, but those those things you mentioned, they all tie into that, yeah. and it's one of the reasons why I think it's going to be super successful, and I think if you're a 12 or 13 year old now, these characters are going to like they're going to be talking about in, in 30 years these people are going to be talking about these characters. Well, before we get to the characters, uh Ryan, what do you think? Uh I really enjoyed it as well. I agree with most of the points you guys said, you know, there's those shots where people are just standing with a nebula in the background and it's just incredible. I think my one takeaway was as much as I enjoyed the movie, other than the brief appearance of Thanos, it you'd be hard-pressed to pin this as a Marvel movie. Yep. In in terms of it's not connected to the universe yet. in any substantial way. Yeah, within this first story, which is which I think is fine, really, really bold. It's uh, smart. It's smart. If you shoehorned Iron Man in there, then it would be stupid. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, I really thought I don't it was mean it as a criticism. Too. It's just I mean, could you imagine? I, I could you imagine if they took something like Guardians of the Galaxy and just put Iron Man in? Oh, I don't know, a different costume and just shoehorned him in? Wouldn't that just be silly? I wouldn't know because I wouldn't read past the first issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so so getting to the characters. Um, 
uh, uh, so you know, Chris Pratt was a question mark. Did you buy him as Star Lord? Absolutely. I bought him as this Star Lord. Yes. Yeah. I, what does that mean? Know, I mean, but do you have like a cemented no. idea of what Star no, Lord? No, I don't is? think it was exactly the same as. Yeah, you, you, you probably been reading it for a long time, but he wasn't exactly the same well, no. as, as Abnett and Lanning. But I don't really care because even yeah. that was like a, a new take on it. And so it was just turning into this thing. I wonder to myself, was this written f- with him in mind? Because it certainly seemed like it. Or they adapted to make it fit. I guess. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, it's obviously possible along the way. But it worked. I, I will say that in, in terms of Star-Lord and even some of it, like if I had any problems with it, I think for the first like third of it, I was like a little, little, little much jokey. But I don't know that that's a real. Was, I don't think that's there was a problem. A of, there was a lot of humor in this. This probably had the most. If like like I feel like Thor and even the Avengers to a certain degree had humor, but it was like not unintentional. But it was like it was like this action movie with a little humor on the side. There was never a point in this movie they were where they were afraid to make a gag yes, and exactly. a big gag. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but at a certain point, Dance that contest. broke. I can tell you exactly the point. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And and at the end of the day, I ended up liking it. I thought yeah. that one in the middle of the movie, but it I'll tell you exactly the point where they no broke me. With that, yeah, yeah, and, and it's fine. It, like everybody enjoyed it, or whatever. But it, they were in the prison, and they're about to break out, and they go to their different things, and and it was like the last second when uh, Starlord yells "leg," and yeah. I, I, then I laughed out loud, and that was the last time I thought about that. So yep. they won me over, I guess is my point. Good. So um, Rocket and Groot. Uh, Rocket was one of the breakout stars of the movie. No, so I was uh, just in terms of. Of them really selling a digital character, yeah. uh, I thought I thought it was exceptionally well done. Like it, yeah. they, all, all of the, like all of the little things that held digital characters back are going away, and it never once did I was I looking at them going that doesn't look right. Like it really looked yep. good the whole time, and it was acted well. And and so I gotta ask, uh, how did we feel about Bradley Cooper? At first, He's I was like, why does great. he? Have, why does I've he been have that saying accent? I've been saying for years, Bradley Cooper is one of the best kept secrets in Hollywood. Uh, right. They did a really good job. I don't believe that's true. I think there are a lot of people who were like, what's Bradley Cooper? What are, what are you talking about? And I think he disappears into the role and and does a really great job with it. It's, it's, it's a super heightened performance, and it should be. It's yes, an anthropomorphic yeah. raccoon. And it's just it's it's great. And, uh, and you know, it's it's the new Han Solo and Chewbacca. Yep. And it totally I mean, works for me. I mean, honestly, they, they nailed Groot. They nailed him. Mm-hmm. It was great. I mean, like the subtlety of it, and the 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 not understanding what he why he was saying I am Groot over and over again, but then getting it, and then just like going back to the humor when they're in the prison with the breakout scene, and Rocket's explaining the plan and how they need that one thing, and Groot just goes off and does it. And then like in the background, yeah, yeah, yeah it was great. No it was, cutaways yeah. to it. I like that it was all like you yep. know one shot, one angle. Um, and Groot really, Groot really became the heart of it. I mean, like when when the later in the movie when they need light and he unloads all those fireflies. Flies. like the, my whole theater was quiet when <laughs> when you think that Groot sacrifices himself at the very end I mean I heard people sniffling and stuff like that like it was like they, they really should. yeah they really captured he Groot really captured hearts of people I think part of me uh, at that point I, I wished that I didn't know that he could you know regrow yeah from, I knew that I was like we're gonna from a twig it was because like, it's such a it's you know it happens to him all the time in the comics it's not yeah. a big deal yeah. at all um so yeah. But this movie has such a big heart to it, and um, I was kind of curious what you guys thought about the end because it gets really um, kind of Care Bear stare <laughs> in terms of how <laughs> how they win the day, like they you know holding hands and I think I that stuff I 
I'm a total sap, so I I eat right into that. I um, can eat it in the movie because there's so much stuff that's. There, I mean, there were a couple of turns of character. Gamora was incredibly uh, selfless in this, which is not how I sort of remember her, but I think she needed to be. Well, I thought that, I thought Gamora was actually the weakest link of them all. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never really. I'm not a big Zoe Saldana fan. I was never big on the look of the character. We didn't see much of her in the in the preview, at least that I saw. Um, I thought her, at least her plot and her motivation, was the weakest of the story points. Where it's like, okay, she works for Ronan, and then she's gonna go get the thing. But oh no, no, she's gonna betray him. So that's okay. It's like I didn't know whether to believe her when she was telling Star Lord mm-hmm. that, and it never felt really solid in terms of who Gamora was and what her motivations were. You know, the, the the kind of holding hands thing at the end, I got the sense of this is them coming together as friends in a unit, and that was kind of the climax of it. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it was purpley and all that sort of stuff. But I felt like Gamora was the, was the weakest link of them all. Drax was the one I was worried the most about because I just didn't like the look of the dude, and I didn't know anything about him. And they completely converted me on Drax. I mean, I was laughing. I thought he was great. I thought, like, it uh, – and that's one of the, the writing that James Gunn and I forget the woman who he wrote the screenplay with. I think he improved Nicole the Drax – Nicole, okay, Nicole Perlman. Um, I think he improved the character of Drax from his characterization in the comics greatly. Like, it, like it's a better I, character. I, it was, yeah. it, he was super specific, and they were really consistent about it. And his, you know, like his his characterization is being super literal, which is always very funny. But then, you know, like, and he could, and he could have been totally one note about that. But then there's the scene where they're sitting around coming up with the plan. And he admits that he wasn't listening because he was thinking about something else. And it's like yeah. done under his breath. Like he's kind of embarrassed about it. Like it, that was hilarious. <laughs> and, pop in yeah. my audience for that. The real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I got a way more out of Drax in this incarnation than I ever did out of the comics. Yeah. I mean, in the comics and like most of the time in the comics, like he just has like, and this is the weird thing, but he has those white sliver eyes and there's no depth to that character. He's yep. just the avatar of revenge, you know, and that's kind of all he does. He's a force of nature. He's sort of a Punisher kind of character. Here, you know, give him sort of a, a really human story and this guy who's been living with, you know, this 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 pain and everything for so many years and had to, uh, you know, just uh, live off his own wits and now he's got friends. And I, it was funny because I was watching, I was watching the USA Network and they had like a, one of their, their, you know, characters welcome little spots and they were talking about Drax and he's like, and he finally finds friends. And I was like, this is weird. This weird misrepresentation <laughs> of the character. And then I see the movie and I'm like, that's totally what happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, on the villain side, can we just give it up for Lee Pace? The whole time I was like, who is that guy? I, I, like I was kind of familiar and I was like, I think it's that guy. And I figured it out. But then I thought, no, that's not a pie him. maker. I've been I've been watching Halt and Catch Fire on AMC where he's like the mm. the dickish business guy and so immediately when he when he emerged and they put the Ronin headdress on him not only did he look like Ronin like that was that was yes. fucking Ronin from the comics yeah. But I was like, that's Lee Pace. That's Lee Pace who's in The Hobbit. That's Lee Pace who's in Twilight. That's Lee Pace who's in Pushing Daisies. Like, Lee, he is the chameleon of our generation. Yeah, I love it. I, I thought it was really good uh, just sort of uh, anti-casting. Yes. Like, he just wouldn't make that call. Like, there was a point at the end where he's he was mustache twisting, twor- just chewing the shit out of the scenery. Yep. But it fit and it worked and i was like you know good good on that guy for going hard you know what i mean like he just completely went into it which i i thought was was really cool so, i also completely had no idea that that was uh karen gillen like i yes, saw her like, name in the beginning and then the whole time i was like well, who's playing that and then like this morning i was like oh right and i went to look and i was like holy cow yeah. she actually shaved her head yeah like, she shaved her head 
Yeah. That was uh, what was Comic Con last year. She had a wig on and she pulled it off and bald head. We didn't know what that was for then, right? Yeah, we did. Okay. Uh, uh, so uh, Michael Rooker is Yondu. Michael Rooker being Michael Rooker. Good yep. thing he had that arrow thing because otherwise he was kind of uninteresting. Yep, and that was and he's oh, not Yondu. cool. It was not Yondu though. No, Why? What is Yondu? I don't even know. You see, Yondu was an archer. He was in the. He was in Valentino's Guardians of the Galaxy. Little arrow thing. Yeah, I know, but it was just. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Uh, it was Rooker being Rooker. Yeah, um, I, I was. I was like, how come, that, how come he has a southern accent in space? Yeah. <laughs> but whatever, you know, that's fine. Um, what I'm curious, what you guys thought of the uh, the the one link to the Marvel movies with the collector? The collector, uh, yeah. much better showing, I think, for the collector here, or much. I should say, much less offensive than it was in the Thor movie. Much less Star Trekky. Much less Star Trekky. That's a, right? that's a good yeah. That's a good point. Um, even though it's like still basically ostensibly the same like set and like the the slave girl and everything, it's all pretty much the same. But yep. for some reason, just the presentation of it, it just it felt appropriate to to that to nowhere and everything like that. But uh, but watching this movie, I'm like, why did the Asgardians <laughs> give it to that guy? <laughs> like they yeah, could give it to the Nova Corps. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, speaking it's, of the Nova Corps, Glenn Close. I thought she was oddly placed there. Yeah. Like, like, did she owe somebody a favor? Like, like, because I get it. Like, she's a super good actor. She's like, but it's not like she's going to be a box. Like, so I don't know what the purpose of having her in that role is. Other than I figured maybe she wanted to do it because the grandkid. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Uh, Let's talk about. Not enough Peter Serafinowitz. No. Well. Not enough. Oh, that was the other thing. The whole time I was like, not only is this like sort of like a really good prequel, but Darth Maul is in it. So that's good. When was um, Ray Park in it? Huh? No, no, Peter Serafinowicz, the voice. Oh. Oh. It doesn't, once he talks, it doesn't matter what he looks like or what it is, that voice. He's the voice <laughs> of Darth Maul? I didn't know that. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, which okay. is odd because back then he was an unknown comedian. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, let's talk about the Nova Corps and, cool. and the choice they made with them. Uh, there was no Nova per se. There was no Richard. Yeah, that was what I kept waiting for. I kept waiting for the Deus Ex Nova where we see a guy in a helmet fly out to yeah, like, help they didn't the Guardian. Show a helmet until the very end. Like till they so were all they, it was just like one of the random guards yeah. standing there. So they were all yeah. just Nova Corps and they weren't in rocket suits. Like when when they pulled out all the guys, I thought, okay, here we go. They're all gonna fly in. And then they all had those starships they made the net out of. And Which, I just, that was, cool. was a really cool design and a really cool usage of the Nova Corps as, you know, this tactical support to what the Guardians were actively doing. But they were basically a police force, which I guess is what they are. That's yeah, I mean it makes sense. Hey Ryan, science of that net. <laughs> uh, no clue. Do we have the technology? No. Sandarian science is too far advanced for my <laughs> some magic Terran spaceship. brain. It was, it was, uh, that was really cool. That was also a Star Maybe Trek. Maybe if I was half Spartax, I could figure you know it what, out. The only thing, I think they need like a circuit breaker on that so that when one blows up, the rest of them don't blow up. Don't, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, when I, I, I got, I got excited when you, cause they had the, but I, it was funny because I thought that they were taking the Nova idea, like all, all the, the starburst was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like even even the island that they were on was in the shape of the Nova Star and like all that sort of stuff. I was well, like, and like at, at the in the final battle, I was just sitting in the theater being like, I can't believe I'm watching a, a Marvel comic movie that has Nova ships fighting off a Kree destroyer with Kree ships dive bombing a city as kamikazes being defended by Rocket Raccoon. Like and, that, and, that's and, and it's seeing. gonna be the number one movie in the country by yeah. far. And now we're back to Josh's. You can't say I can't believe anymore. I know you can't. It's the world we live in. <laughs> and, every, and it has been. It's not like it's still been this a new particular thing. franchise. This is like a fifth I mean, time this just, has happened. It's so weird. And like well, even even like you know three four years ago, a lot of comic fans weren't really familiar with. They couldn't name 
you know, Guardians of the Galaxy characters. Well, they, yeah, but they were. I mean, but it does, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like, it's the same thing. It's it's the same thing as when Stan was doing it. It's about the attitude. Yeah, it's about the attitude of the characters, of the stories, of the marketing. I mean, they marketed the shit out of this. Yeah, they really like. It's funny because there's that idea that you know they would always take a movie to Comic Con and they would show it because executives thought, well, that'll start the buzz or whatever. And it doesn't always work, but it totally works in this instance. Like, like they had, after- they, had they had the Nova Guardsman at the, uh, in the yeah. Marvel last year. I mean, that that's, that wasn't new. I mean, I think a lot of that attitude, at least in this particular way. I mean, I know you know Kevin Feige is you know and and the other folks at Marvel are the ones kind of dictating what's happening but i i feel like i feel like this movie owes a lot to james gunn and his sensibility mm-hmm. uh, I think, were you a fan of james gunn before going like did all of us see super and if so what did we think just out of curiosity I, I didn't see it the trailer turned me off i hadn't but, seen super but i saw slither and liked it yeah i, I saw i saw super and i had the opportunity to james was at morrison con he was one of our guests so i was able to spend some time with him and hear him talk about cool. his philosophy and stuff like that and like and that's coming out of it that's why coming out of that i was like oh guardians is gonna be great well you know what he did he did one of the he did this like series of shorts called pg porn yes and it was like they were like little shorts uh that were like porno movies but without the sex like they had porn stars and they had stupid dialogue yeah yeah, and and there was one of them with Alan Tydeck, and it's one of the funniest things I've ever oh, seen I remember in my that. life. I totally remember that. Yeah. Uh, and so like that's all I knew. Yeah, I was like, oh, that guy's got spiky hair, and he used to be married to Pam. Right. And uh, and that is thing this, was really is his funny. Brother, the dude that was on Gilmore yes. Girls. Yes, yes. Who was in? Yeah, he's in the movie, which he's is awesome. Yeah. There's, so there's, there's dude's like helper dude. There's yeah. two yeah. Gilmore Girls characters on this, and also the the grandfather in the beginning. It was. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Logan's that. dad. Yeah. Yeah, Logan's dead. Yeah. Um, so the the my only real, but going to that sensibility aspect, my only, and this is a super super nitpick, but I loved the idea that Quill has ties to Earth, the Walkman, the the mix, you know, very oh. knickknacks, things like that. I have a point, but go ahead. But as as a as a audiophile and stuff like that, I feel like some of the songs were a little obscure. Like well, really, the Joan Jett song was the only one where I was like, and maybe the hooked on a feeling, but like the other one, like it's 1988. His mom was probably she was six, so maybe she's in her 30s or whatever. I feel yeah. like they're, they're, the, the the some of the music picks on there. I was like, eh. his mom was a hipster. So here's the thing about the music. <laughs> not even, not even. Here's the thing about the she was a pre hipster. Not it, even. Wait, just, what, what you, listen, I don't, know don't, what you're need to, don't feel the need to bring your people into this job. No, no. <laughs> Here's the thing about the music that I thought was really interesting because the soundtrack is another thing that makes it different than a Star Wars movie yes. um, yeah. because they, they really did want to – it's funny because all, most of the pop culture references were for people in the 30s and 40s, which I thought was interesting. Yep. It's one of those layered things where they have to make it for some people. But they picked music from an era. And this is important. A, that cassette is holding up like nobody's business. Yeah, <laughs> there's, There was no audio hiss. It sounded amazing. They took music that isn't necessarily really great music, but it's music that sounds really good on a really good system because they know how to record music before the 80s basically. And so the whole time I'm like this music on the, on the theater sound system, like it just sounds so yeah. good. Like it, you know, like if you ever watch a, a movie uh, on Blu-ray and then they like a song comes on and they mix it just so I, like it sounds better than anything else you listen to it because it's got that super high fidelity. So like you had those songs that were like it just sounded really good, but it was also super earthy. So it was that, and they kept showing the cassette, like the actual idea of the cassette, yeah. contrasted with all this weird space shit. And I think that it really helped to. Ground us. And it was a great this, through line, and there's yes. a context to 
using popular music in it wasn't even yeah. popular music on, though well, no but I mean, as opposed to score yes yeah right. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i just i just felt that they, they could have they could have hooked us a little easier with with one or two other more better songs. I th- no all. see i thought no see i thought it was really interesting most of it was something you'd heard for the most part yeah. uh i mean if anything the joan jett song was that's pretty obscure is it really? Am I, I just think, unbiased? It's yeah, a, it's, it's a you're punk rocker, song, so you kind of yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not like they were a huge band. Yeah, uh, I mean, they're important. Well, they're, they're important. They were influential, or whatever. But Michael Shannon like, was in the movie. They don't play that. Yeah, on on classic rock. Yeah, radio. Cherry Bomb. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. You know, like even I was like, why do I know that? Because I just hadn't heard it in so long. Right. Um, so in that sense, <laughs> I don't know, but like all the sort of like soft rock from the '70s kind of things, like yeah. Like they strike a nostalgic chord in a person who's like twenties, thirties, forties. Well, I thought yeah. it was not even nostalgia is... they had. It just makes you think yeah. of seeing an infomercial for music, you know, on TV. And there's something to that that they figured out. I think that is super right. smart. And this also, is... it, it just sounded really good. Do you yeah. think it's a nod to the whole like this is the new Star Wars kind of idea? I think it's. I mean, I think it's a postmodern idea of what Star Wars is. In yeah, that yeah. I mean, it's Star, 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 Star Wars with cultural cultural reference. Yeah. So it yeah. felt like they were really trying to make Star Lord ship kind of a Millennium Falcon. Like the people come on board and they're like, "This place is this is a piece of junk. It's yeah. dirty. It's covered it's, in crap." Ton of that. I mean, there was yeah. a lot of that. It's funny that when Josh, Josh, when you mentioned the Star Wars shots, you're to- now I think about it, you're totally right. The shot of Star Lord and Gamora looking out at the nebula, like that's yep. the end. Yeah, I mean, like th- there were there was a lot of nods to Star Wars. Right? There was a, there was a shot where they're inside uh, Ronan's ship and uh, a bunch of his his henchmen or whatever are running around, and I swear it's like a it's like stormtroopers running on Endor or something. I don't know. It's like it. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's you know familiar. It seemed familiar. Like shot for shot. You know what? A, you know what? A weak point of this movie and Avengers is uh, the the sort of design of the. Uh, and I know why they do this technically, but the sort of the design of whatever minions or henchmen army, yeah. the sort of dead eye. These these were they were zombies because they're not real because they're right. <laughs> they're computer generated. Right, I know that, but like I was like this. The one thing that I mean again, it's like stormtroopers. I guess you know you're right, but it's, it's the Lord, only, of the, Lord of the Rings wrote well, the book on that. Well, right, but Lord of the Rings did it better because you did get the sense that all of those orcs were living things with sort of personalities of their own and they were all rogues in a certain you know, way. You know why? Because uh, of Massive. Yeah, well, Massive. Yeah. Which I believe, <laughs> I believe Richard Taylor coded Richard, while... Richard while Taylor, being, yeah, he, he, co- he coded 200,000 lines of code. While biking muffins for the crew. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... Um, so before, okay, so two things. Um, tying to the music, the movie had two tags at the end At the end of the movie. Yep. One was uh, the little Groot in the pot dancing while Drax wasn't looking, which I thought totally sums up the, the spirit of the movie. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I really liked that one. Because you're going to yeah. see that gift for the rest of your fucking life. Yep. <laughs> and then the last tag at the very end after the credits, what did you guys think of that? Why? I just thought it was interesting. They were upset. There were I mean, two, I mean, yeah. I mean, why? That's what I thought. I was like, why are yeah. they doing that? So, so for those who uh, the, to talk about it, it goes back to the collector who's nursing his injuries. Cosmo the dog comes. Whoa, whoa! His and then Cosmo and, the dog was in it. Yeah, and and then um and then you hear a voice and I forget what he says, but sure enough, it's Howard the Duck having a cocktail. Like you're you're letting that dog lick your face. That's gross. That's I can't believe you're doing that. And yeah. And then it's so Howard. The collector's Howard. drinking something too, so they're like drinking the same cocktail. Yeah, Howard the fucking. So is it, oh, and he says it like it burns on the way down. That's I think that's what. He so is it? Was that a way to get Steve Gerber money? No, Steve, or Steve Gerber's his estate. His estate. No, or? because famously they fought him forever on it. Uh, yeah, like I feel like that was like, from a comics person. That was kind of shitty. I thought <laughs> I did too. 
I yeah. totally thought that because Steve Gerber was in court with them for years and years yeah. and years, and he died pretty much poor. So I thought that was weird. Um, yeah, but I also, I just, I didn't think it was. I mean, the everybody in my theater who knew what they were seeing immediately groaned and thought, "Oh, they're going to make a Howard the Duck movie now." This is our, you know. I feel like they're not. Oh, they're not. I don't I, think I, they are either. That represents Marvel's hu- hubris at this moment. I think you might be right. So. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're not wrong. Hey, let's talk about Cosmo for just a second. Okay. Cosmo, uh, if you if you haven't read DNA's, uh, I didn't know they split up. By the way, apparently that's a, I didn't know that. It was the like a few they like mad at each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, I, heard, I heard it's a problem with process. But oh, anyway. wow. Can we do like an intervention. No. I know it's so depressing, no. and they both are like, "I'm not. We're not doing it anymore." Because they, they have their own like separate guardian stories. Like yeah. Lanning yeah. did the hundredth anniversary special, and Abnett's got anyway. The, uh, so in their story, which which if if you read comics and you're listening to this and you like this movie, you really you really need to do yourself a favor. They just came out with like a single volume of it. I think these are great comics, just yep. bar none. Great comics. We were saying it at the time. We're saying it now. Uh, you know, go out and get them. Anyway, one of the uh, sort of things going on in that was there was a dog who was a Russian cosmonaut dog who had the power of speech. Uh, Psychic. And he he was, didn't. He didn't talk out loud though. It was all mental. No, right? it was telepathic. It was telepathic. Okay, whatever. But still in yeah, a Russian dog, accent. Dog he still had exactly. He still had an accent. Um, and and he was uh, a confederate of the team. But him and Rocket hated each other. And at one point, he ran, Ro- he ran nowhere. Yeah, Rocket hissed at him, which I thought was a nice touch. In the movie, he hissed at him. Yeah, yeah. But like they hated each other in the comics as right. a dog and a raccoon. And and it was one of my favorite little bits from that. And and it was a nice way to sort of put it in there without having to like make a plot line for him. I- I am still shocked at how much is of the Abbott Landing is in that movie. So, really good. Yeah, it's crazy. So, all right. So that said, so so ratings, ratings, ratings. ratings. Rating? Give it a give it a letter score. Ryan, what, what do you rate it? Uh, I'll give it an A minus. Paul, A plus. Josh, A minus. I'll give it a straight A. So there That's you nice. go. Was there all things right. that we didn't like? I mean, are we? Is there anything? Well, I, the we, kind music, of, we kind of touched on it, I guess. The music and Gamora, that, those are my only thing. Those I are my did not nips. like Gamora. I, like Gamora I thought she was good. Her story thought, was weak. Her story was weak. Mm, I give you I, that. But it was really, it's funny because it was really close to having a female character who didn't have a lot of the peccadillos that they normally do. Like she was totally strong on her. I think it could have made her stronger, actually. Can you say peccadillos again? I, know, I was really impressed that that came out because <laughs> I have two little kids and that, those kind of words don't come like they used to. Um you know, but they didn't actually end up having a romance at the end, which I thought was really good. I'm yeah, a little tension, but no. And, yeah, it yeah. Did, and it wasn't like powered one way or the other. It wasn't like she was dumb. And they had a little joke about his pelvic sorcery or whatever, which was funny. And yeah, uh, Footloose was good. Yeah, that was good. That was <laughs> that was good. Was, I mean, it was a fun. I mean, I haven't had this much. Fun, I, that's not sound like Leonard Malton, but I haven't had this much fun with the movies in a long time. He just did an interview with uh, with Marin, and it was yeah, it's, great I downloaded, I haven't listened to it. Yet. Um, he was. It was really good. Like I love I cinema. Think, I think my A minus comes from um, we. T- it's been talked about before on this podcast, and that without Loki, Marvel doesn't have a great roster of movie villains. They're they're still kind of one note. Like they just all they yeah. want is to destroy whatever yeah, right. it is that they're trying to destroy. And that's I'm just ready to see some of you know some more complexity in the adversaries that are coming at the heroes yeah, that I really like and watching. And I thought Ronan had Ronan was Ronan was kind of you know like Josh said kind of mustache twirling and just kind of force of nature. But they explained he was he was a religious zealot who who was against, who was against like his that. his people working I, with the Zandarians. So really like I thought, wanted to see the supreme intelligence. I was like, yeah. oh, this is going to be it. We're going to. And, and I think I think Lee Pace really. I mean, we we 
yeah. praised him, but I think he really brought something to that role. And I think on the page, it could have been the same as Christopher Eccleston's, you know, role in Thor, um, which is a very one note villain. Yeah. Like I'm out to just destroy the universe. And here I think Lee Pace brought it, gave it this added nuance, which is really nice. Um, you know what else made me smile? Seeing the Abnett and Lanning era costumes at the end. Sort yeah. of. Sort um, of. I mean, Star-Lord doesn't have it, but Gamora wears it. That They get the blue pants and like Rocket's got the blue. I always liked that costume. Yeah, I hate it. It was funny because at Comic-Con they had the plushies of Rocket and they changed it from the Guardians costume like they had in New York to the yeah. movie costume, which is that orange. And everybody even – I shouldn't say this, but even people at Marvel are like, <laughs> It doesn't look as good. They're like, <laughs> so. anyway. All right, cool. Well, Josh, take us home. Well, if you want to know more about uh, anything, you can go to ifanboy.com. You can find this show. You can find all the other shows we do in podcasts. You can comment on this show. We certainly hope that you do. Uh, you can find us on the on the social networks at uh, Twitter uh, sli- twitter.com slash ifanboy or facebook.com slash ifanboy. You can get updates for things and stuff like that that we're doing. Um, I guess you could write in a contact at ifanboy. Or you call our voicemail at 888-326-2697, which is 888-FANBOYS. I remember we got the big uh, episode 450 coming up. So uh, send your questions in for our mailbag episode, and we'll answer them on the show. Just put episode 450 in the subject line. Definitely. And uh, thanks for coming on, Ryan. And thanks. It was I haven't podcasted with Ron in such a long time. It's fun. <laughs> I miss it. Yeah, it's true. we should do a show, you and me. We should, yeah. It's a good so, idea. Something that doesn't have anything to do with comics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I figured with this show, I mean, like, it was funny because I got such a great time in the movies. Then I am, Josh. was like, when are you recording the show? <laughs> so, because I was the cosmic guy. I got you into this, Josh. So. I know, but I you, you got to admit, I've been with, I was, You've I been, started with Abnett Lanning's Nova, and I was with it for all the years until it went. So I'm going to predict now, this is laying the groundwork for a Nova movie. You'll see it. That's, that's my prediction. That one. Yeah. I don't know about that one. The You'll Young see. Nova or? Young Nova, yeah. Sam Young Alexander. Nova, yeah, Sam Nova, Nova. Not Richard Ryder. Yeah, I could see yeah. them doing that as their answer to sort of Spider-Man. I could yeah, have yeah. a young character. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. So. All right, kids. Thanks right, very so much. Well, we thanks are for Groot. Having, thanks for having me. Sorry, Connor. I am Groot. <laughs> <laughs>